Hello, everyone. Thanks for attending. This is the unicorn edition of our Recruiter Ask Me Anything series. Um, Aaron Haywood from Power by Purpose is going to be our host, and we have guests from Dropbox, Facebook, Twitter, and who am I forgetting? Netflix. Netflix. Netflix was added late, so I apologize. Um, but thank you for joining us, Thomas. Um, my name is Dennis Schultz. I am the Blacks and Technology New York City chapter president. Uh, if you're not familiar with Blacks and Technology, you can get information on our website, bitnyc.org. But we are exactly what it sounds like. Uh, we advocate for Blacks in Technology as a national nonprofit. And with that, I will just go over a couple of housekeeping rules so everybody understands exactly how this is going to be set up. Uh, if you notice, you are muted by default. Uh, you will have the ability to ask questions in the Q&A section at the end. Uh, we do have some uh, pre-selected questions that the panelists will answer. If you have questions you'd like to answer throughout the presentation, you can enter those into the Q&A. And also feel free to use the chat function as well if you have any questions or uh, suggestions on how the conversation should be steered. There will be also a recording of this online, so keep that in mind as well. So as you're thinking about the questions to ask and if you don't want to be memorialized on the internet indefinitely, uh, you may not want to ask your question, uh, but uh, we're happy to um, take your questions offline as well. And there will be the ability after the event to follow up with the recruiters as well. So with that, I'd like to introduce Aaron Hayward, uh, Haywood rather, a career coach and consultant. Aaron has done a couple of events with us. Um, she's a rock star. I love Aaron. Um, Aaron's claim to fame is when she was without a job, she decided to leverage her network to get interviews within uh, three or four days of being unemployed, which I thought was awesome. And her organization, her company, Powered by Purpose, is an online community uh, for diverse professionals um, looking to level up their career. Uh, so Erin, um, with that, I'll hand it off to you. Thank you so much. Yes, um, if folks are on the line and they are looking for employment or if they have been deeply impacted by COVID-19, I, I relate and I can understand. And so I just want to say thank you for making the time. And we were really intentional and thoughtful about the questions we want to ask, really making it um, about the current uh, environment that we're in, which can add some layers and um, some texture to how to network, how to brand yourself, how to make genuine connections when a lot of things are being moved virtually. And so uh, a lot of questions have been around, well, how do we come up with the questions? Uh, we based it off of an intake form that we did with the first uh, recruiter panel. In addition, based off of just uh, comments and, and concerns that Dennis and I have gotten from the clients and community that we serve. So we're excited to have all of you um, here. So let's first start with everyone introducing themselves. So name, title, 
company that you work from, and then we'll dive into the questions. So Fletcher, why don't you start us off and then we'll go from there. Uh, so Fletcher Hill, um, I work out of San Francisco and I am a senior technical sourcer at Twitter. Awesome. Veronica, you want to go next? Yeah. Hi, my name is Veronica and I am a technical recruiter um, at Dropbox in the Austin office. Thank you, Maureen. And then we'll end with Thomas. Hi, everyone. My name is Maureen. I am a senior diversity recruiter at Facebook, specifically focusing on tech, and I'm based out of the New York office. Thank you. And I'm Thomas. Um, <clears throat> I am a talent coordinator um, at Netflix, um, and I am based, well, Netflix is based in Los Gatos, but I am in the general Bay Area. Awesome. Thank you. So this is our amazing unicorn panel, and so we're going to dive into the question. So a lot of things that I've been hearing around COVID-19 is business priorities are shifting, or if they're staying the same, they're just scaling um, really largely to meet to demand and need. And so some questions that uh, the community has been asking around is, you know, what skill sets or roles are companies now looking for? Have, has that changed or stayed the same? So I want to direct this question um, actually to everyone. So who would like to hop in and kind of share how COVID-19 has shifted either how you recruit, the skill sets you're looking for, the roles that you're looking for, et cetera. So who would like to hop in first on that question? I can start. Um, so this is completely like unprecedented times and uncharted territory. So um, for Dropbox, we definitely had to take a step back um, and shift our hiring strategy and focus on roles that are um, of high priority at this time. So um, what we have been focusing on are some of our infrastructure roles. Um, since we are having a lot of um, traffic due to COVID, um, which is which is great for us. So we definitely had to um, uh, hire for infrastructure roles. Examples are like site reliability engineers, infrastructure software engineers um, is where we are focused on. And we also have um, roles um, where we're looking for um, really strong engineering managers to lead our teams as well. So um, yeah, definitely there was a shift and, and just focusing on those high priority roles at this time. Awesome. Thank you so much, Veronica. So it's sounding like engineering. If there are any engineers online, this is, this is your time to shine. <laughs> and would like to add on to that question? Yes, this is Fletcher. So uh, here at Twitter, uh, some of the same things, obviously, um, Obviously, we've had an increased use on the platform, so obviously everybody's going to you know Twitter um, for information on COVID-19. So obviously that's a primary focus for us. So we're focused on a lot of engineers, um, back-end engineers, as well as machine learning engineers, because obviously that drives where people get their information and things like that. So that's been a big focus for us. And yeah, yeah, that's been the biggest focus for us. We're still hiring. But obviously, again, in critical roles, as you know, it drives what is really most important for us right now. Awesome. Thank you so much. So backend and machine learning engineering. Anybody else want to add on to this question? I can add on. So um, Facebook is still hiring. Um, I've been joking that I'm actually busier now than I was pre-COVID. Um, so it's been a lot of 
of shifting, but um, we're still hiring. And by shifting, I mean shifting to working from home. Um, we are still hiring across the board, primarily engineering, whether it be back end, front end, mobile, machine learning, infrastructure, all of that, you name it, we're still hiring. Um, and in across a lot of our other verticals too as well, um, we are still hiring too. I think it really depends on the products that we're putting out. So there have been a lot of announcements made about messenger rooms or other products that are really working to make sure that the world is connected during this time. And so whether that is product designers, product managers, um, the folks who are really building out the products that people need in order to remain connected, we're still very, very much focused on. Yeah, and it sounds like a strategy to kind of figure out, well, what are the high demand roles is really doing your research on the companies and seeing what are the products that are being, um, that are successful during this time or what they're planning on launching posts. So. Uh, definitely always do your research on the company and, and read the news um, and, and stay updated on things. Thomas, do you want to add anything to this conversation? I think uh, just to echo everything everyone has said, I think for across a lot of companies are going to be your engineering roles are, are really what's um, going to be the focus on. And so, um, but I do think that uh, for Netflix, at least having like playing a dual role of not only just like tech company, but entertainment company as well. And so um, folks who have a background in meshing the two, um, there are very specific roles that we still are looking for folks um, and that are very high priority. Um, but again, just to echo everything everyone has said, just um, a lot of things for infra a lot of positions for infrastructure, because we still need to be able to put a product out there. Um, and then also just, um, uh, I think what we've currently been seeing, and this is um, more so of uh, anecdotal, but um, a lot of movement for our like UI UX teams as well. So as of late. Aaron, if I could awesome. add one other thing too is, yes. you know, and for us, because of we're being very purposeful in our hiring now, so we're primarily, in most cases, looking for senior and above. Obviously, we're remote. Everybody's, you know, decentralized right now. So we feel like senior and above candidates can kind of come in with less, you know, training or training. things of that nature and kind of hit the ground running. So a lot of our roles, majority of our roles are focused on senior and above. So I just wanted to make sure I mentioned that as well. That's a good segue into the question that's actually going to be directed towards Veronica and yourself. Um, you know, back in the day when you would submit an application, you would get the advice around go to cocktail hours, networking events, you know, meet people for lunch or coffee. These are ways to elevate your application. But um, speaking with recruiters and just professionals in general, the inboxes just only for their, their, their mail and LinkedIn is oversaturated because not only is there a huge spike in unemployment right now, is everything is online. So if there's an applicant who's actually submitted, completed their application for your company, but wants to move their resume to a level where that's actually being noticed, what strategies would you give to that candidate to get their application noticed by by yourselves and other recruiters. So um, we'll start with Veronica and then we'll have Fletcher add in too. Yeah, I think for, um, for me, I would say leveraging um, your network. Um, and even if you don't know someone, you know, within the company, I would do my research in, within like LinkedIn or um, company website to see who would be the best person to contact 
that um, that you can ask them to review your, your application or let them know that you've applied and you're interested in chatting with them further about the opportunity. I think um, just leveraging people within LinkedIn and your network is, is a really good, um, I, I would say like first step um, to having your application reviewed and like at the top of the pile. Awesome, thank you. Butcher, you wanna add on to that? Yes, I, I totally agree. And I think this is a good lesson for people. It's like, you know, always be networking, you know? because there are gonna be times where it's gonna be more important than ever. And I think this is definitely one of those times. So again, uh, echo Veronica, I would start there. There's gonna be a lot of like virtual events as opposed to, you know, events where you could just go to. So I would say, be looking out for information where there's still events going on that these particular companies are going to be attending virtually. And that can kind of another avenue, cause you know, just like with this event, there's gonna be Representative, representatives from a lot of different companies. You're going to be able to get your resume in front of additional people. So I would say that's another thing that I feel like you'll definitely need to take advantage of now because you're going to be less apt to see people in person. So you kind of got to go at it virtually as many avenues as possible. Yes. Um, so basically what I'm hearing is still leverage your network, right? Even if you're using online tools and platforms, um, but do your research, make sure that you're matching the qualifications that are outlined in the job description into your documents. I would say even more, make sure that your online presence is updated. Um, be active on these online um, platforms because recruiters are probably going to be using these tools to source for candidates. And then two, like um, a lot of recruiters are like, the competition is high. So what makes you stand out? So are you active on blog sites or you know groups or attending events like this and speaking on panels so that you're constantly being seen in that environment space? These are some of the suggestions that recruiters have mentioned to me um, just to make yourself a little bit more competitive in this very um, strange time that we're in. Um, so to talk about some more strategies, there's some folks that you mentioned, Fletcher, earlier around wanting people to kind of hit the ground running, right? Looking for folks that have the qualifications needed to do the core responsibilities of the job. What, what do we do if we have career changers, right? Folks that are pivoting. Maybe they were a manager in a completely different industry. Will that translate to a manager in tech? Um, what about our students on the line that are graduating, our folks that are entry level that maybe lost their job? How do they pivot into that tech space? So Maureen and Thomas, what strategies would you give to somebody who's trying to pivot into tech right now um, and are feeling, you know, maybe I don't have the 10 years that's on the job description. What, what, what should I do? Who would like to go first on that, Maureen or Thomas? I can kick it off. Um, this is a really good question. I actually transitioned from being an attorney to a tech recruiter. So I definitely empathize with those who are making the transition into a completely different industry. It can be challenging at times, um, especially when you're hit with like a global pandemic. I think some things to keep top of mind is, especially if you are interested in product or engineering, especially now there is a lot that you can be doing. There are a lot of people who are working from home, they are having hackathons, they are putting projects out there, they are trying to make sure that people are getting the right information. Um, and so I would start to 
get your friends together or even think yourself of like, what are the projects that I can be coding out right now that I can add to my resume to say that this is what I was doing during this time. Um, and also being really active in like open source communities, contributing to code bases. Um, these are real time places where engineers are living. So if they see you popping in, if they see you contributing, then they also let us know as recruiters like, hey, I worked with this person on a project. Can we get them in? I think that they would be great here. So um, really think, be creative, think outside of the box as far as different projects and things that you can add to your resume that show that when you're taking the initiative, you're solving hard problems, you're working on your coding skills, and you're also connecting with the community that you're seeking to join. Yeah, I definitely, I 100% agree. Um, you hit the nail on the head with that one. Um, and I think the the biggest thing is just really, um, for me, would say just working on your craft. And um, Maureen had, had mentioned a part of that as well, is just really take the time. And this is not only for folks who are making a transition, but even folks who are um, uh, just looking for, have been working in the field or in an area, um, like take the time to really work on your craft, like hone your coding abilities. I know for, um, on a coordinator side of, of talent, basically, um, being, having insight to like take home tests and, and things like that. Um, and making sure that like you're putting out the best code that you can possible, um, and all of those things and really work on it. Cause it is, as much as I know it is something that folks do for work, it is something that you can continually build on um, and I think get better at and, and with honing that skill and putting yourself in an open source community or in a community, you have, a, you have the ability to not only put yourself out there, but then also speak to the level of which um, uh, that you can bring to a company or um, into a role as well. Yeah, and so both of y'all are saying just be a go-getter, <laughs> work on your craft, uh, continue to seek out resources and opportunities that you can add onto your resume, your LinkedIn, your GitHub, your websites. Um, the same can be said for folks that are in, uh, um, trying to get into tech but within non-tech roles, the same can apply. Um, think about even collaborating on these tech projects if you are a non-tech person. Another thing I would say is, you know, if you're working on projects and you notice that you tend to do them by yourself, you could be missing an opportunity to get a referral or a recommendation, either from a colleague or a peer. Um, it's always good to show, and, and, and it's also hit making you expand your network as well, that you are great to work with, that you're great to collaborate with. So um, it really does sound like continue to work on your craft and make sure to update your resume to help you transition into that new field. So thank you for those perspectives. All right, we're starting to get into the nitty gritty questions. We're gonna talk resumes, uh, especially now, um, I'm assuming that ATS or applicant tracking systems, a tool that uses, uh, that a lot of large companies like y'all's probably use to vet resumes. Uh, what are some things that you want candidates to know that could get them potentially pushed out of that tracking system um, because something's not uh, formatted correctly on their resume or missing on their resume. But then also just in general, what are some things that you look for within a resume to show that this person is qualified and that they did these projects and you know were seeking their skill set. So um, Maureen and uh, Veronica, this is for you. So um, who would like to hop on to that question? Resumes. 
I can start. Um, yeah, so resumes, there's a few things that I would want to mention is um, first, definitely tailor your materials to the organization you're applying to. And, um, and also, so by materials, I mean your resume and your cover letter as well. Um, and definitely review the job description. There's going to be a lot of helpful hints and keywords in that job description. Um, and just when you're, you know, doing your resume and cover letter, uh, make sure that, that your skills align um, with what they're looking for and, and uh, make sure they match. Um, I would also say like focus on the like results, impact and the outcomes. Um, so definitely instead of like listing out your job description in your resume, I would say um, to, you know, demonstrate how those experiences translate to the specific job that you're applying for. Um, and with that also, I would um, suggest like using numbers. So enumerate um, when possible. So using numbers and metrics to like demonstrate the depth um, and breadth of your experience. So for example, how many direct reports did you manage? Um, how, how much budget did you have for that project? So definitely just make sure you're using numbers to quantify that. Um, I would say resume length is something else that, that I would suggest keeping it at, um, you know, hopefully one page. Um, but of course, those that have a lot of experience maybe needing to do two, but I would say one page um, resume length is, is appropriate. Um, so just make sure that, uh, that you condense it, but still have that really good content and information in there. Um, and use the hierarchy of a resume um, to your advantage. So make, making sure you're highlighting the things you wanna highlight all the way to the top. Um, so, you know, like the most pertinent information, um, like your, your experience and then maybe education at the bottom, or if you're a new grad, you're probably putting the education and intern projects um, at the top. So um, those are just a few things. And like proofreading is also really important. Um, so just make sure that you're proofreading your resume before you send it in. Yes, those are, uh, I'm writing some of those down. So <laughs> to highlight some, I always tell um, clients that I'm working with, treat your resume as the document you would take for your promotion meeting with your boss. That's what should be written in the bullets. Not like, hey, I answered phones and I did presentations. It's more around, I hit these metrics, I hit these outcomes. This is how I helped the business grow and, and elevate. So I think that was a really good point to make around focusing on outcomes and metrics versus like copying and pasting your old job description, <laughs> which basically is talking about tasks that you've completed. And then of course, uh, numbers, numbers, numbers. So Maureen, what else do you want to add to that amazing list of strategies already provided by Veronica? Yeah, that was a great list. Um, some things that I would add, if you are an engineer, if you've worked on apps, if you like built out iOS or Android apps, add a link in there. Make sure that the project that you're adding um, actually works, that they are up to date, that they look good. Um, we actually do click on those and then we um, engineering managers also look at the work that you've done. So, you know, even if it was a project from a couple of years ago, if you're going to put it on your resume, make sure that it, it works, that the link works, that it looks good. Um, some other things to add is that, you know, making sure that your resume isn't too colorful. I think there's like this tendency to make, you know, like think thought clouds and have all of the different colors in there. Um, 
keep it simple, you know, literally list out what you're doing, make sure that it's easy to read. Um, that really helps us on our end, just to be able to parse out what you're actually working on. Um, and as far as like, I know there was questions on like gaps or making career moves. I definitely would be very upfront about if you're, for example, if you're transitioning to tech, where did you get the skill set from? Did you take a boot camp? Are you self-taught? Just be upfront with that. A lot of times I'm on the phone with candidates and I'm having to ask them, this is great. You started from 2014, but like, how did you learn to code? And then they go into the back we have more that we can be your advocates and we can really think that story of you know how you made that transition and why you're making that transition so you know I wouldn't say that you have to put everything on your resume but if you did take the initiative to take a boot camp and get into tech and work on these other projects definitely include that and just think about you know how you're formatting it what it looks like making sure that it's you know that recruiters can read it pretty well and make sure that your links work <laughs> Awesome. Yes. Also, link in, your, <laughs> link in your LinkedIn. Like, I can't express that enough. Like, link in your LinkedIn into your resume. We do look at LinkedIn, and it just saves us half a second of, like, having to find your name and figure out if this is you, if I can just click on a link, and I'm taken to your LinkedIn page. Awesome. So resumes do matter, y'all. <laughs> no matter if you were referred or you feel like you're a shoo-in, uh, make sure that your document represents your brand as best as possible. Um, so for this next question, you know, there's so many things coming out in the news. I know that we mentioned kind of how your recruitment has shifted because of COVID-19, but some people are now, you know, trying to factor in, uh, is this always going to be remote work? Um, you know, some companies were talking about needing folks with multiple hats because you might be moved from project to project that you might not stay in a particular role. So thinking more broadly around how COVID-19 has maybe shifted kind of the characteristics or competencies that you're looking for. And then of course, a majority of our audience are folks of color or, or from underrepresented communities. And so, you know, thinking about has COVID-19 shifted companies' priorities towards diversity and inclusion? What should I do if I am a diverse candidate? Um, how do I make sure that that company is a fit for me, um, that there's a community for me, that there's people who I can lean on for mentors? So I would just love whoever wants to hop into this kind of to talk about the concepts of how COVID has um, changed uh, the landscape for work and then also I'm a diverse candidate you know how can I make sure the company's for me so who would like to hop in on that question well I can start um, so from work from a work perspective obviously you know Twitter we was already really in this mode of decentralization so this kind of just echoed a lot of what we've been talking about for the last two years so and you know so I think going forward, this is going to be the new norm where, you know, not a lot of people are going to go back to the office. So I think that's something important to keep in mind as you show up in interviews and things like that is just giving a sense that you can be relied on and all that. Because again, a lot of things generally used to start in the office, where now a lot of these things are going to start virtually. So I think that's just something to keep in mind. From a diverse standpoint, again, one of our primary initiatives at Twitter. So, and that hasn't changed with COVID-19. Um, 
Um, I think a lot of our goals and metrics and things on diversity still stands. And that's the echo that you hear throughout Twitter, the company all the time, and is echoed by senior leadership. So that really hasn't changed at all. Um, and, you know, managers, senior leaders are still being held to that. So I still think there's a great opportunity, you know, for diverse candidates and, and underrepresented minorities. So, um, so from a Twitter standpoint, it really hasn't changed a lot. And I also think now because we're hiring not, maybe not as much as we were originally, this gives a, a lot of candidates a better opportunity because, you know, the pool, you know, for diverse candidates, you know, it's going to measure a lot of times the total population of candidates. Because if we was in normal state, you know, you don't get as many diverse candidates as you get other candidates. So I think it does create a little bit of opportunity. I think if you're doing your research and your homework and how you get in touch with those, how you level those opportunities, I would say, do your research. And again, you connect with somebody. There's a lot of DRGs and a lot of organizations within those companies that can help. I mean, I get, you know, emails and stuff through organizations within Twitter that, that identify with diverse population. And then, you know, you kind of spread the word from there. So I think those are just some of the things that I would highlight. Awesome. Thank you, Fletcher. So it's important to do your research and try to connect with folks that are part of, you know, um, support groups within the company. So that's a really good point. Anybody else want to add on? I can yeah. add on something. Um, so we recently, we like literally announced today that our future plan is to be moving towards a um, remote workforce. And one of the reasons that, that Mark gave in our Q&A was specifically diversity related. And so we understand that there are a lot of reasons why people don't want to relocate to the cities where our largest offices are. And this is such a unique time. Of course, it's brought on by a pandemic, which like none of us saw coming, but it's allowed us to really be able to pivot to make sure that we have the infrastructure to allow people to work remotely. And this will allow us to be able to hire the folks where they are. So, you know, tapping into different markets, being able to allow people more flexibility as far as where they work, where their families are, where they feel um, supported in and outside of, of the workspace will be super, super important moving forward. So I think that that's actually been like one upside that we've seen from the pandemic that none of us could have really seen coming, but I'm excited from a diversity perspective of what that means for our communities. You know, I, it means I can live in Dallas and still work <laughs> at Facebook like that's totally a possibility I, I don't have to sell my house in Atlanta like that's that's just like really really exciting to me about the opportunities that is going to open up um, so I, I think that's and that was just like announced today he shared that so I definitely encourage folks to take a look at that but lots on the horizon to come awesome thank you it's a very valid point <laughs> Um, does anyone else want to add on before we move on to the next question, which is so exciting, salary. Woo. <laughs> um, so during our last uh, webinar, uh, we got a question around when is it appropriate to, to ask for salary? Um, two, just questions around when in the process do recruiters ask about salary? Um, what strategies or tips would you give to candidates to figure out when a recruiter 
recruiter does ask, what are you expecting for this role? How can they figure out what is a, you know, a reasonable band? What is a band? I just learned about that the other day. I didn't know y'all had bands. What is <laughs> So really help our folks out. And the reason why this is important is because racial uh, and social economic gaps when it, and gender gaps when it comes to salary is a real deal. And so to, in order to kind of combat that is we need to talk about it, educate one another about it. So who would like to just talk about um, just educating the community around when should I be prepared to talk about salary? How can I figure out a number that's good for me to say? What is this concept called band? So who would like to start that question? I can, I can um, start. So uh, bands, what that is for every role or so like engineering, you know, whether it be back end or machine learning or full stack or whatever. But then you have bands for non-technical roles like HR, you know, administrative, program manager. So all these different roles have different bands. And within those bands, it's a low, medium, and high range. And why they set these bands is to make sure that the companies, those particular roles within the company stay balanced. You don't want like, you know, they use those as gauges. So we're not, like you said, underrepresented minority. We don't want to be paying some people the high and then some people the low. So, so part of it is to make sure that it's equal across the board. The other thing it's designed to do is make sure there's room for people to grow. So like if you come in at the high, a lot of times there's really nowhere for you to go when you do well and you want to get an increase. It just allows less opportunity for those opportunities. So you either, either you get promoted or you don't get a good increase year over year. So band is just a low, medium, and high range. And it's, it's role specific. So it's not the same for every role. So if you're an engineer, back ends, you know, all that there's a band for that particular role. Non-technical roles, there's a band. Me as a recruiter, and everybody has a different spin on it. Obviously, there's certain laws now where you have to tell people what the range is and, and things like that. And I think in some places you even got to list it on the job postings, right? But for me, I always advise candidates. No matter what you say you're looking for or what you want, it's how you do in the interview. So I think we can spend a lot of time up front talking about numbers, but what does that, what does that matter if you don't get the job? So for me, I always tell candidates, okay, you're looking for a senior role or you're looking for a junior role, how you perform is gonna dictate, because if a manager really wants you, they're willing to push the number. And sometimes they go over the number with an exception. So I try to spend, in my role, I try to spend less time on compensation and focus it on if you're really interested, giving your best effort. Because if they like you and they love you, then the, the other part becomes easier. But if they're on the fence with you, <laughs> the numbers don't really matter. So that's just a, my general stance on it. Awesome. And I think you brought up a really good point. Do your research around laws, you know, California, <laughs> what you can ask, right? In New yes. York or Texas, wherever it's different, right? There could be laws that are passed that recruiters can't ask you what you made at previous right. jobs. That's against the law now, right? So knowing these things um, is really important. So thank you, Fletcher, for bringing that up. 
research, um, you know, workforce law. Anybody else want to add on to this discussion around salary? Yeah, um, I think one of the one of the big things for for me, or at least um, the the advice that I've given, is um, being able to like willing to have that conversation about compensation. Um, and it's it's super awkward just in general, but now it's super it's especially awkward now given the fact that there's just so much um, economic downturn throughout the globe. Um, but I think that especially um at netflix and i think at certain other companies the willingness to have that conversation whether uh, willingness to have that conversation is a, is a big thing and so being able to say um hey like can we talk about comp can we just broach that topic and and really bring in your own um your own thoughts your own ideas um kind of level set gauge and all of that um because for netflix we pride ourselves, <laughs> and I put it in air quotes, um, on doing top of market. Um, and so if you have, if you have another role that you've just, um, you've just gotten an offer for, um, having, like, we encourage you and, and, uh, to bring that up and say, Hey, I know you've come at me with this X amount of number or X dollar amount, but I've also found this, um, on the market and, um, recruiters are very, uh, recruiters and, and our, uh, sourcers slash resource researchers are, um, very upfront about having those conversations about what top of market means, how we, um, how our comp philosophy is based on um, just the person, person and their experience, kind of with understanding of what the role is as well. Um, so I think at different companies, it's a, it's different. But I think always, always put your best foot forward and say like, hey, when can we start this conversation? Um, and then when that time comes, just jump on it um, and be able to say, hey, um, this is what I'm looking at. And this is what I want. Um, and I mean, I'm saying it's it's a lot easier said than done, but I think just not shying away from it, um, because I know for for Netflix, we like folks to be upfront about what they're feeling, what they're um, expecting, and um, see if it's the best fit for the both of us. Yeah, very valid. Both of us is a key part, right? And I think too, you mentioned kind of the comfortability. I think with practice, it happens, and mentors have given me this advice, and I give it to the clients that I work with. Don't just focus on the annual salary. Ask about what the compensation package includes. That can include professional development training stipend. That can include relocation support if they were going to move you to a different location, health benefits. It could include um, stock within the company, et cetera. Um, and then two, Fletcher mentioned this idea of like promotion. So you can also ask, you know, what's your company's philosophy around promotion, around um, workers that go over and beyond. Do you get, you know, at my old job, they would call them excellence awards, which were just like stipends that you would get um, if you um, did really well on a project or within your role. So um, asking as much of these questions could help you get an understanding of what the company's thinking about when bringing on an employee, but also you should factor in um, when you're asking for compensation as well. So educate yourself. That's the biggest piece of advice um, that I would say, and just get comfortable with the uncomfortable. Okay, so it's 7.10. We got some questions in the queue. I want to make sure that I allow four folks in the audience to be able to ask questions. And if you haven't already, make sure to add them into the Q&A part of the webinar. So one question is around any advice for international applicants. 
how um, to get visa sponsorships or has that been impacted by COVID-19? So who would like to answer that question from the audience? Um, I'll start. So yes, um, so for those who are aware, you know, for as far as visa sponsorship, normally the process is, you know, if you already have an H-1B, for those who know what that is, it's like a work authorization to work in the U.S. And if you're moving from one company to the next, they have this thing called a premium processing where you can get a receipt within like a couple of weeks that allows you to leave one job and move to another job pretty easily. Well, currently right now, because of COVID-19 and the restrictions on people from other countries, out of U.S., that there's no premium process. So now that process could be three to five months, depending on the individual situation. So that has definitely affected, you know, from a, uh, you know, from an immigration or international standpoint, right? So um, what was the other part of the question? Um, it just asked if okay, it yeah. be impacted, which is but, what you were talking about, which sounds yeah, so like that's the, the length of impact. time. Yes, yes, that's the only impact, but we're still moving forward with candidates as normal, but just making sure they understand that this process has changed where normally they could put in two, three week notice once they get the receipt and start now, that could take three or five years, uh, three to five months, but we're still entertaining those candidates. Awesome. Anybody else want to add on before we move to the next question? All right, it sounds like Fletcher, they, they let you take care of that one. Uh, so the next question is, Okay, um, this one's kind of going off of the salary question. During an initial phone call when a recruiter asks what salary you're looking for, is it best to answer at this point or prolong it until later on in the interview process? What's the best approach to um, even articulate that to the recruiter? I'm sorry, can you repeat the question? My, uh, my internet broke up. So in the initial phone call, so like the phone screen, right? The recruiter asks what you want to make salary-wise. The, the, the participant's asking, should I answer that right then and there on a phone screen or should I prolong that towards the end, like the latter part of the interview process? Well, I one of the things, go, go, ahead, go ahead, Maureen, go ahead. Oh, okay. I think if you're having an initial phone call, um, you honestly have to know your company. So there, a lot of companies won't ask you um, about your salary and are banned from asking about salary in that initial call. We just want to make sure that we are telling you about the project that we're working on. Are you a good fit towards the end of the process once we're in on-site rounds, once things are looking positive, once we're going through our internal reviews, that's when recruiters will start to have that conversation. Um, but to the earlier um, answer that we gave, definitely do your research. If you're in a state that does not require you to share your, your salary, you don't have to share your salary. And I would empower you to tell the recruiter, I don't feel comfortable sharing my actual salary. Here are my expectations. A tip is don't give a number, give a range. So do your research, look at what is in, what should be in that range and give that range, but you shouldn't feel compelled in that initial call. Now, if you're you know, interviewing with a startup or a smaller company, they might have a different practice. So I think it's absolutely okay to ask, can we hold off on this? I'd like to gather more information, um, but I, I wouldn't feel compelled to give that number so early on, especially when you don't have the data um, to support you know, the answer that you're giving. 
Awesome. And then just to follow up, Maureen, in an application, there are applications that do ask for it but won't allow for a range. Would you recommend that you choose the higher part of your range and put that number into the application? It, it depends. Honestly, I would do research on, you know, what are the salary expectations for that role. So you don't want to take yourself out of the running by putting the high end and then the recruiter says, oh, well, okay, they might, you know, they might not be a great fit. Or if they see a super high number, they might think, oh, this person is super senior and we're looking for more mid-level role. So I, I definitely think that doing your research is key just so that you don't take yourself out of the running, but also know your worth. Like if you know I cannot live <laughs> under a certain amount, then don't feel compelled to put below a certain amount because then you might get all the way through the process and the offer isn't just going to be compelling for you. Yeah, very. Thank you so much for being transparent on that. Did, did anyone want to add to that? Thomas, you want to add? Yeah, I think um, uh, just uh, piggybacking on what um, Maureen had said is just to also, as much as the initial, um, any part of the conversation or part of your interview is for them to know about you, it's also for you to know about them. And so if it is, um, I would say just not as snarky as I'll say it, but um, try to flip <laughs> flip the question on the person. So they're like, hey, um, what are your salary expectations? And it's like, that is a great question because I was wondering what your salary expectations would have been so I can level set. And then they can go back. But I think just being able to um, understand that as much as you're interviewing for a position, you should take that as they're interviewing you. I mean, you're interviewing them for where you want to continue to work. Um, and so if it is something, if they are caught off guard and like, oh, well, here's our, here's our range. And if it works for you and it doesn't, um, that's just one checkbox already off for you. Um, but I would definitely, yeah, just um, try your best at, to give a range if, if possible. Yes. And have dialogue. Recruiters are people just like you. <laughs> like, just one other thing on the conversation thing to keep in mind too is like, you know, a lot of it started with level, right? When you're having a conversation with somebody, like what level are you, you know, because again, when I look at a resume, that's one of the things that immediately comes to my mind. I can look at your resume, where you've worked, how much experience in, in, in all those different things. And it uh, immediately tells me, okay, this person is a, you know, senior developer or staff developer, you know, mid or junior. So I think that's where you have to be realistic in your also your expectations based on who are you as a developer or whatever the case may be. So that's one of the questions I always ask candidates, what level are you currently at your role? And you know, and I wanted to ask them that question because some candidates don't want to answer that question because they think you're trying to put them in a box. But you have to ask that question because the interviews are going to be based on what level you're interested in. So it's going to come out anyway through the process, but you know, um, yeah. Do your research, do your research, do your research. <laughs> okay, awesome, we have another question. We have a couple of questions. Um, how should you approach trying to get a referral for a company you would love to work for? Is it better to reach out to a technical recruiter directly or reach out to an actual employee that works at the company? And maybe also just clarify what an official referral is versus like a recommendation. Because sometimes I think people get confused on that. So who would like to answer that question? I can start and then I have to hop out. But um, so 
I would be weary of just reaching out to a random employee at a company and telling them, will you refer me for a role? Um, I think the best point of action is if you see a recruiter who's working on a specific role that you're interested in, um, then to reach out to them. Unless you know this employee, then absolutely. Um, but referrals, at least from a technical standpoint, we'll be asking them, have you worked with this person? What, you know, like, what are the, what are the projects that you worked on them with? So if they're not really able to give us that information, it doesn't necessarily help that they've referred you. So kind of understanding that aspect of it. And then also, you know, recruiters are people too. So understand that inboxes are, are overflowing. You know, it doesn't mean that you give up, but um, it's definitely, you know, there's a lot of, of in-mails in and emails that we're getting. And so just please do understand that we are reviewing, we are looking, we are reaching out to see who's a great fit. But with the volume, sometimes it's hard to get to every single person. Awesome. And thank you so much for joining us. I know you have to jet out early, so thank you. Thank you. Thanks, Maureen. Alrighty. Awesome. Does anyone else want to, to talk about that? Like, should I go directly to a person that's in the role that I'm trying to go for versus hitting up a technical recruiter? Basically what Maureen is saying, like, know the person. The person should know um, your work style, projects you've worked on, ideally has worked with you so they can talk about how that was, but anything else to add on to that question before we move on? Yeah, and again, how that can, what can also help you is what I said earlier, is like, you can go to virtual events, meet people, start to build a relationship with them, and you know, maybe then you get closer to where you wanna go, where you've met somebody at an event, Y'all have had some conversations, y'all exchange, you know, cards or whatever information, you know, connected to each other on LinkedIn. And again, use LinkedIn. You know, if you got somebody connected to you, if you connected to somebody and then three, you know, down, they may know somebody and it works at Dropbox or wherever. And maybe you can kind of work it that way. So those would be some of the other recommendations that I would. That's some great advice. That's the, the loop around is build those relationships. So that way the person can build off of um, your conversation if they were impressed by what you said, the projects, et cetera. Okay, so we have some more, so we're gonna keep moving. Okay, do you have any advice for entry-level folks trying to get their first job out of school during this time, especially for non-engineering roles? So wanting to get into the tech space, but for non-engineering roles, what would you give to our recent grads? Well, there's a lot of programs out there. You know, a lot of companies have new grad programs where they are looking for those candidates right out of right out of college, right? Obviously, we have intern programs, but those are mainly for people who are still in school. But there are new grad programs, and I think that's your best way because, you know, a lot of companies really try to hire from those programs. Also, with those programs, I think you get a bigger chunk of your diversity, right? You know, so I would say, you know, look at companies that you're interested in, see if they have any new grad programs. And they always have any events and things like that. So I would say that's probably the best way because a lot of recruiters like myself, I don't really work on new grad roles. Those, are, those roles are worked on by specific people who work with, whether it be interns or new grads. When we consider new grads at Twitter, we're talking about anybody who's graduated within the past six months, I think it is. So 
there's programs specifically for new grads, whether it's engineering or not, that kind of is an opportunity for you to interview and, you know, and get in. Awesome. So look for recent grads, internships, even rotational programs or yes. development programs. Those are things to also look into. Veronica, it seemed like you wanted to add something. Yeah. And there's a lot of um, great talent out there and strong candidates. So I would say that um, cover letter, definitely you can leverage that and paint the picture that you might not be able to paint in your resume um, um, and talk about those skills that match up with, with the job you're interviewing or applying to. So definitely have, you know, a strong cover letter to, um, to really outshine the, the other people that are applying to the program as well. Awesome. Yeah. Um, and I think one thing for, for me having uh, my past uh, before working um, in, in talent, I worked as a resident director at a college. And so working with students and that were making the transition into the working world, is just really having the idea of like, yes, you want to work at XYZ company or these big companies, but I think taking the opportunity to get whatever experience you can before trying to make that transition into um, a really big company or something that, uh, or something that may be, or the company that may be a little bit of a stretch for you. And that's not to say, that's definitely not to say don't uh, apply for whatever you want to apply to or whatever's going to pique your interest. I think it's just being willing to accept what's going to be put in front of you as an offer. And so if it is, uh, you do start to work at a startup and it's like, get all of that experience that you can. Um, it took me moving from a contract role to a startup um, to Netflix to really, really understand all of the things that were going to be asked of me in my role, um, in my world, and then um, and get a bigger picture of that. So I think for new grads, definitely find that, find the, the ways to get that experience, um, get paid for that experience, um, but also uh, just leverage that. Look at it as a stepping stone to where you want to go, because it's not always going to be from point A to point B. You're going to go from from different different places and different iterations of what your what your job and your career is going to look like, um, especially for your for the folks leaving master's programs or or even right fresh out of undergrad. Awesome. I think to add on to that, Thomas, folks have kind of given me the advice around know, um, and I think Fletcher was mentioning it too. Know the um, sub um, committees or companies that are associated with the company. Um, so let's say large tech companies might have smaller startups that they're a part of, or they might have incubators or et cetera mm -hmm. that are funding. And that could be a great place to start and then trans, you know, um, translate and transfer those skills into the company that you want later on. And then um, also contract work. I feel like contract work is going to increase um, right now. And so there's... Um, hiring firms that tech companies go to to hire temporary work or contract work. So that could be another way to kind of get your foot in the door and that contract position could turn into full-time um, later on. So very great points. We have a couple minutes left and there's so many questions. I'm trying to think of questions that could be very broad for because there's some niche questions here. Um, just really quickly, um, who wants to talk about if companies are hiring for sourcers or recruiters? Is that seeming like um, it's, you know, staying very um, lean right now? Or do you see a future where there's going to be a lot of hiring in the future? So um, maybe one person can kind of tackle this so we can get another question. 
Well, I think by large, I mean, we're not really doing any internal recruiting hiring right now. And I think, you know, for the, you know, obviously we had an expectation of how many people we're going to hire. And then if you're not doing that, so it's almost like you have more people than you need. Now, thankfully, we're not doing any layoffs or anything like that. But yeah, I don't, from Twitter standpoint, I don't think we're going to be doing that in the time in the near future for sourcers or recruiters. Okay, thank you. All right, awesome. That's kind of the flow that I've been hearing from recruiters is that trickling here and there, but a lot of the emphasis is just on the high priority roles and um, retention of staff, <laughs> keeping your current workers engaged and motivated at work. Okay, so next question is around, uh, do you think companies would be, uh, could be willing to implement internships slash apprenticeships for people in transition with no experience? It appears most internships are only for recent college graduates. Anyone wanna talk about, um, in, most of y'all I know have internships, but maybe they have shifted because of COVID-19. Um, how can college grads figure out if a company has internships not just for graduating seniors. I know a lot of you have what's called early engagement opportunities for uh, freshmen all the way through seniors. Who wants to take that question? So I can, yeah, I can take it. So I know for um, Dropbox, we have a program called the Ignite program, which is basically um, people that want to get into the tech, um, the tech industry and into those um, engineering roles. So we um, we have that program um, annually right now. Um, so we are um, reviewing resumes and reviewing like projects that they've done. Um, they could have, and they had no previous experience. So someone that has no previous tech experience, maybe went to a boot camp, um, or maybe just self-taught. So we have that program, which is really exciting. Um, and um, we're hoping to, to continue that. So we give opportunity to, to those that, that haven't had that experience. I think we do something similar at, at Twitter as well. Um, so I think those opportunities are out there. Again, everything goes back to research, research, yeah, research, 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 research. Yeah. And if you're a current student, definitely utilize your career center if your campus has one. If not, you know, your academic advisors um, should have relationships with companies and you know, things might shift with, you know, um, universities going online and that might shift, you know, recruiters actually coming onto your campus. So just um, ask folks in the career center, what should I do to make sure I don't miss out on opportunities to engage with university recruiters? What, what is the name of your programs? That was one of the questions in the chat. Mm -hmm. Is uh, there a specific brand or name that they should look for? Yeah, yeah I, I know it's an apprenticeship program. I don't, I'm not familiar with the exact name of, so I don't want to give the wrong information. Um, okay. Yeah, I know Netflix has one too, but the name is escaping me. Um, and I, yeah, I, I would need to have to follow up with someone and, and get that information to y'all, but I know we have one. Yeah, just Google what I find, what I usually tell students, either do university programs in the company name or uh, internships at the company name and it should bring you directly to the page for students um, and so that's a way to figure out what opportunities are for students for the companies okay one last question and then we're going to transition out okay um, there's this question around if hired um, 
will companies allow for me to work on profitable projects or companies on the side? And so that's a question that folks wanted to know if that's allowed or not, if hired. Um, this is again, one of those things where, you know, every company, when you join, you know, there's a whole list of um, courses you got to take when you become a full-time employee at a company or even as a contract employee at a company that explains all these rules, right? So, um, so I, there's a lot of specifics regarding that. Um, and especially like if, I mean, even for if you like a sales rep for Twitter, right? You know, there's a lot of parameters as to what you can and what you can't do. If, you know, somebody you know, you know, comes in with an RFP, which is a request for a proposal. So this is a lot of things regarding that. So I don't think it's like a, a, a black and white answer, but there are restrictions regarding that. And it's a lengthy doc. So I would say when you start engaging in with recruiters or whoever, um, make sure you bring that up if that's your intention and they can kind of flush that out at that point. But there's a lot of restriction with that as it should be because of the type of work most of these companies do. Awesome. So the main thing you want to think about with that question is, you know, there, when you work for a company, you don't want, um, it's very proprietary, you know, like the information and the things that you're engaging in, they want to make sure you're not sharing that out or using it for your own um, financial gain. And then if you do have a side business or you have clients of your own, if what you're doing with them is very similar or there's a lot of overlap, um, that could be something um, to, to mention, like Fletcher said, to the recruiters. And if it's something that's really important to you, uh, mention it. They could find that to be attractive if you're a consultant or if you're, um, you know, a business person. Uh, so it's, I think it's always important to be transparent and have integrity um, and not try to hide it. And then all of a sudden it comes out when you're hired, um, especially if you're wanting to keep your business. So that's something to think about. Um, it's 7.33. I know that we went over. There's tons of other questions. For the questions that were in here, we kind of mentioned it. One was around if you transferred from one role to another, like if you're a manager in one industry getting into tech, would that um, impact whether or not you could keep the same level that you're at in the salary? We mentioned that earlier, so make sure to do that. And then specific diversity and inclusion initiatives that your company has or um, things that you do to make sure that folks that are underrepresented thrive. We talked about um, ERG groups and um, specific internships, apprenticeship programs, things of that nature. So make sure to do your research. And then lastly, we did a lot of conversations around um, maintaining company culture. That's something we didn't really touch upon specifically um, regarding like how do you keep that company culture knowing that, you know, your, your work might be 100% rem remote now. So that's a question that we didn't have a chance to get to. Uh, but yeah, I just wanted to say it was a pleasure being the moderator for this panel. I think we covered like a lot within an hour span. Uh, yeah, Dennis, I just want to make sure you have time to, uh, you know, close this out as. Yeah, uh, just as a, as a final, final word, um, I can attest to the fact that um, I've had a side gig for 20 years and I've worked for a number of big companies, Dell, Samsung, Lenovo, Gardner. Dropbox. And um, as long as you disclose it, 
you know, it's not, it's not been a problem. And as long as you're not doing anything that directly competes, <laughs> you know, or could cause a conflict of interest. Um, I usually don't have a problem getting through that legal hurdle. Um, but, um, but I did want to thank the panelists. Um, I know it's um, a labor of love to take an hour out of your day to participate and answer questions to strangers. So we do appreciate it. And um, we will be following up with you for the participants. If you did want to reach out to any of the panelists, uh, they do have LinkedIn profiles. Um, you can find them. I found everybody pretty easily. <laughs> and we'll be sending a follow-up email with uh, additional information and the feedback form. Or um, actually, Erin, do you want to talk quickly about sure. that? So please make sure to fill out the feedback form because there's going to be a question um, there if you want to share your resume with the recruiters. And what's going to happen is for those who give us that consent, I'm going to send over a resume book to for them to look at. So this is a great opportunity potentially for if they like your resume that you get your foot through the door. So uh, Dennis will be sending out that email with the feedback form. In addition, I usually offer uh, a free raffle for one lucky person to get a free coaching session with me. So two perks here, resume book and a free coaching session with me if you're the lucky winner. So make sure to um, fill it out. All right. Well, thank you, everyone. I appreciate the time and have a good rest of the day. Thank you. Thank, thank you. you. Bye.